But we say that a lot of times, not because we've come to believe that. We say that because we hope that by, if we say it enough times and click our heels three times or something, that, that, it, that, that, that things will work out. And we, we fail to allow ourselves to be equipped with the mechanisms and the strategies and the resource and the understanding to really deal with stuff. So we just, you know, a cool bumper sticker, you know, too blessed to be stressed. Meanwhile, the person that you're driving behind is flipping off everybody around them and cussing people <laughs> off and speeding and running up on the tail of people's cars and all this because they're freaking out on the road. But too blessed to be stressed. Hallelujah. Anyhow, you know, so, so, you know, I, I want us to be able to move beyond just bumper sticker theology and to get the, the gist of, the, of, of, of those sayings that really do have some meaning, but to take them to uh, a, probably a, a fuller place of understanding. Our, our reading today, our responsive reading led by, by Elder Greg was from uh, uh, First Peter, the first chapter. And I love these words, and it reminds us how blessed we really are, right? And Richard just mentioned them a, a moment ago as well. As Peter says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, you're blessed. You've been given that. You've been given a, 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 uh, a new birth into uh, a living hope through the resurrection. We're blessed. And he goes on to say, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's, it's something that, it's a resource that can never perish, spoil, or fade. It's kept in heaven. It's reserved for us. It is ours. It is, on, it is entrusted to God. He's keeping it on our behalf, and this inheritance is kept for us. And he goes on, he ends that passage, he says, though, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, that's the challenge on one level. Trials, tribulations, grief, uh, the testing of our faith. But a lot of what we're talk, we'll talk about today hasn't yet got quite to that level. A lot of what you dealt with this week, some of what you are dealing with today as you sit in service and you're your phone is buzzing because somebody's texting you with some madness that they're trying to want to pull you into, and you need to tell them, I'm at church, give me these two hours with me and Jesus. A lot of the stuff we deal with is not yet to that level where we consider it trials. Uh, and you have to be careful. I think it's important for the distinction of, of categories that we, that we don't call stuff trials that aren't really trials. We understand that a lot of the stuff we face is pretty much garden variety human experience, and we call it the stressors of life, the the challenges. Uh, You know, it's like when you go to Starbucks and they get your order wrong. That is not a trial. (laughs) Oh, Lord. And it's not a trial because Starbucks is so cool because if you tell them your order is wrong, they're not like them other places where they say, but that's what you said. You could be as wrong as two left shoes. I love Starbucks because the, the barista will generally say, and if they don't, you can check them on this, Yelp them or something, because generally they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, we got that wrong. How, let me make it again for you. And then, then you, you say, well, you know, and they say, and you could keep those. That's the part I like. That, <laughs> don't use that now. Don't use that. Order it wrong. And they say, oh, that's, I meant, I'm, oh, not, oh, a frappuccino. I meant, uh, I meant, a Nourinho uh, cold brewed. That's so far from a Frappuccino. How did you mean that? But, but you can keep it. Thank you. Kids, here you go. Here's your Frappuccinos. But that's not a trial. Some of the stuff, you know, the, the, the bad driving, the, the crowd, those aren't trials. Those are, you know, and so before we get to the trials, you will deal with trials. And we preach about trials and tribulation and the things that really do test our faith, the biggies. Some of the things that you all share about in your testimonies, those are trials. Some of the, the intra-family stuff that we deal with, some of the things that come on us because we're Christians, because the enemy levels, uh, you know, attack against us, those are trials. But before we get to trials, we all deal with, 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 with stress. We face stress on this daily level, and it's, it, it's, it's part of life, and, 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 it's, and it's an increasing feature of contemporary existence, right? In other words, those of the longer you live, you realize, wow, life is more stressful in a lot of ways than it was you know, 20 years ago, if you're old enough to know that, or 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, 60, I'm going to stop right about there. But, you know, life is more stressful now. It is funny because it should not be because we have more resources, more cool stuff to make it less stressful. I used to buy day planners, day runners, Franklin Quest. I used to keep my, I've been keeping calendars since I was like 14 years old. 
and I have them. I have my calendars from when I was a teenager. I would have to buy the books that, you know, and that would keep my, my little gigs, right? <laughs> you know, funeral on the, on the 14th or this uh, th- 3 a.m. Uh, choir concert. I, I, I kept, and, you know, and, but now I've got all my stuff, it's like, digitized. And it's like I put a, somebody will send me an event, and then I accept it, and it's in my calendar, and it's on this iPad and that iPad and that computer and the other computer in my studio at home, and it's everywhere. And so, and then when you... When you text me now, it doesn't just, I don't have to find one phone, but I'm at, probably drives my wife crazy, I'm at home, and all my Apple devices beep at the same time. <laughs> you know, iPad, and where is this? Over here under the bed somewhere. It'll beep, 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 beep. I think it should be better. We got all this stuff. I mean, you know, uh, cars don't have carburetors anymore. You know, I, you know, uh, we should have, it, life is, is, is supposed to be better. And yet, many of us realize that, for some strange reason, it's only gotten more stressful because I've got all these, I'm really connected, but the problem with being connected is that I'm connected. And I can't, I told Bobby, I'm in this, I, you know, some of you, know, I, play, I mean, I play with this guy, we're in this band uh, with little, this guy named Little Willie G. No, he's not a gangster. He, he's, he's saved, right? <laughs> but he used to be a gangster. <laughs> got a great testimony. But, but no, he wasn't a gangster. He was just a druggie because he was a musician. He was an artist. But, 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 little, but we, got this, we got this band. He's, 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 he's a preacher of the gospel. We got this band and we're, there's like about, what, 12 of us in this band. And so now he started doing these mass texts for gigs and stuff. And so now it's like, he it, it used to like call me and say, hey, I got, we got this date on the song. So can you do it? And I'm like, yeah, fine. Or he would send an email. Now it's like he texts everybody at once, this whole thing. And so, and so then like yesterday, he texts all of us. And for like the next four hours, my phone was just bzz, 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 bzz. And I tried to opt out of it when you go in the back and do the, the do not disturb. I couldn't. And then they were coming up on like four different lines. And it was like silly stuff because the guys are, you know, some of the guys are young. And so, you know, they would, she would say, yeah, we're going to do this. Some of them say, cool, 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 ease. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, they just, you know, and, you know, little, little thumbs up, you know, the, 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 the lighter thumbs up and the brown thumbs up. And, the, <laughs> and I'm like, leave me alone. <laughs> Stress. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I don't mind the family ones, although they get a little cumbersome too sometimes, kids. <laughs> but when it's Max, it's all right, all right? <laughs> yeah, Max will be texting himself pretty soon. Max knows how to take the iPhone. He knows how to swipe to get to the Dr. Seuss thing. He knows how to get the stuff on, on the phone. That's scary. He's barely 18 months old. Yeah, I know. Huh? Yeah. You know, and... and in, in business, uh, in, in, in uh, there was there was this uh, this this guy John Keynes, as uh, British economist, and this was a famous prediction. It was in 1930, and uh, and I was looking at a story in the Business Insider a few years ago about this. Uh, I've heard several discussions about this because Keynes, as a as an economist during the time, he he came out with all these predictions, and it was kind of kind of awkward because it was right in the midst of the Great Depression, but his biggest, uh, his biggest prediction was he wrote this essay called Economic Possibilities for Our Grandchildren. So basically what he was talking about in the 30s uh, kind of hit us because he was saying in his grandchildren's generation and going forward, uh, he said, this was his big prediction, people, because of the rise of technology and human advancement, people would only work 15 hours a week. If you're working 15 hours a week, that's because you're spending the other rest of the hours looking for the, uh, to figure out the other 40 hours you need to try to make it. We got what's called a gig economy. People are working all kinds of hours. I know some of you guys are working like crazy just to make it. But that's what, that what he predicted. Needless to say, he was wrong. And especially about Americans, man, we the working as folks. I know some of you, like, if you're, like, really puritanical, well, you know, a good hard work is good for you. Yeah, you kill yourself 67, 88 hours a week. Uh, that, the, uh, it, was an est- it was estimated Americans logged 34 hours a week in 2010, uh, that, but that was including part-time workers. And uh, Gallup reports that the average full-time American put in nearly 47 hours a week in 2014. Some of y'all know what that's like. Some of y'all got 40-hour work weeks, but you know that you don't get all your work done in 40 hours. I know a whole lot of LAUSD businesses done in my bedroom on my wife's computer. <laughs> I, my printer's my printer's clicking off at t- ten o'clock at night. You know, lesson plans and stuff that has to be done, administrative stuff. And so you know, when, you know, we, we 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 so before we get to trials, we're dealing with 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 
with all of the overscheduling, with the work, with the kids, you know, I know about kids, with, the, with, with the, all of the, the, the duties that we have, the responsibility. And what happens is we are, we are overcommitted, aren't we? We tend to be, if we're not careful, we can be overscheduled. We can, we're overstimulated. And all in all, we're just kind of overloaded. Anybody, know, can I get a witness? You know, and so if you're not careful, you find yourself always on the run. And, and you don't have that opportunity to invest yourself in the things that are really important in life, the things that are lasting. And we rush through, you know, day after day from this thing to the next thing. And we wonder if we've really accomplished anything of any meaning in life. Stress is an inevitable reality of life for just about everybody. Amen. And four out of five people in America have said report a need to reduce stress in their lives. Count me in that in that 80 percent. According to the American Institute of Stress, and you know a series of there's an American Institute of Stress. Uh, Stress related illnesses cost the American economy 100 billion annually. I believe it. I believe it. I read a book. I did a, a, a book called uh, "Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers," and um, yeah, I mean, my daughter Angie really likes zebras, and so you were. We say, I want to know why zebras don't get ulcers. I'm really into zebras, you know. <laughs> That's why you'll see zebra print and zebra shoes and all. And the reason why is because zebras, like other animals, they don't deal with stress like we do. Why? Because they deal with the way our some of our more ancient ancestors would have dealt with life. You've got this fight-or-flight mechanism. So what happens is, uh, here's a predator, here's a lion. Zebra looks up. Zebra's stressed out. What does zebra do? Zebra runs like crazy. Zebra is, 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 is getting his interval work in, right? Uh, he's doing his, his high intensity. He runs, and then hopefully, if everything pans out right, Mr. Zebra is, is on the other side of the hill. He's cool. What does zebra do? He's not laying up at night thinking lions, lions, lions. No, he's out there grazing. Give me some more. Whatever zebras eat. What do zebras eat? I don't know. You know, uh, zebra grass. I don't know. But he's, you know, animals, they... they Danger, we freak out, we deal with it, we run, we fight back, we whatever we do, and then when it's over, we're good. We go back, you know, you see the water buffaloes, you remember you've seen the, the, some of the YouTube videos of the water buffaloes getting, you know, chased down by the lions and stuff, and they were running like crazy, and then all the other water buffaloes get up on this one lion and say, we'll show you, there's a lot of us. <laughs> but at, at, I guarantee you that night when, in water buffalo land, the water buffalo are not tossing and turning on. What are we going to do tomorrow? They, they deal with it when it's there. That's the way sometimes it's a better way of doing things. Zebras don't get ulcers because zebras deal with fight or flight. But the, the, the author to that book went on to talk about the fact that, that the, the stress and the chronic stress that never goes away, that we just keep living with, uh, it, it, it messes up our health. It does. It, it causes our heart rate to be elevated. It raises our blood pressure. It causes ulcers and abdominal problems. It, it makes us angry and we feel out of control. You need, I know none of you ever felt that way. I, I probably felt that way uh, within the last hour or so at least. Uh, it ages us, doesn't it? It impacts our ability to regenerate uh, blood cells. It wears our hearts out. It promotes inflammation in our bodies. It, it can even uh, give rise to some forms of cancer. It messes up your sleep. Uh, it, it messes up your, your eating patterns. It, it messes up your relationships. It, it can put you into fits of depression. I'm talking about stress. And there are a lot of things that bring stress into our lives. It comes from, you know it comes from any kind of change. You ever look at the, at the there's, a, there's a scale of life change things and there are certain things, the more, there's certain things that, that are more stressful, but all change is stressful. And the thing about it, even good change is stressful. See, a lot of you think, I know a lot of you, when you, you know, yeah, we talk about tithes and offerings. That's one thing we talk about God's financial plan. But Jimmy, you have the, you have there's a second tier of of investment on your part, and it's at Seven Eleven, and and you say, "Oh Lord, if you know, Lord, I, I love you, but if I could just like get that one big deal, you know, that one big, that big, that big, you know, you know, uh, don't be so sure." People come into a lot of money, they stress out and lose it, just like the people that are broke. You might be happier now than you'd be if you were rich. And you say, well, I'd like to try the other. (laughs) But life change, new job, high stress, new marriage, high stress, you know, new, new money, high stress. Good news, high stress. Bad news, high stress. There's so many things that bring stress in our lives, and 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 uh, and change is, is a big part of that. 
But also, there's the expectation of others. Some of us are stressed out because we, people are looking to us and they, they expect things from us and they want something from us or they need something from us that maybe we're not in a position to be able to supply in that moment. Um, uh, the erosion of re- relationships, the sense of competition that we're sometimes placed into with people in the world around us. All of these things uh, uh, bring about stress in our lives. There's a a uh, child psychologist named David Elkin, and he uh, pointed out that there are at least, at least three contemporary sources of, of stress that mark our particular age as a difficult age. First of all, the alarming increase in violence and crime. He says we're more afraid, more afraid. Second, due to the rapidly changing job markets, technology, and economic factors, we're more professionally insecure. How many of you know about that? We're experiencing that in the last 10 years. We've particularly seen... A few things. Number one, we see that a master's degree, even a doctorate, doesn't guarantee you the job that you dreamed you'd always get. We see that, yeah, and then a bachelor's degree now is kind of like high school diploma. And a high school diploma, you may as well just dropped out. Because you don't have a high school diploma, you can still go to college. But you got to, you know, it's like, you know, all the rules changed, right? You, we know, we, we understand, we've seen the, the, the so that, that's, that's for real. Uh, uh, and then finally, due to widespread separation and divorce, we're more alone. We've got relational breakdown in our culture. And so those things bring about stress and, and, and alienation and alone, aloneness. And, and uh, so, yeah, we're blessed, right? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. But we're blessed, uh, but we're also stressed. We are. So, you know, I'm not going to have a special praise service where we're just going to run around. I'm gonna write, we're going to create a new song, Too Blessed, Be Stressed. And we're going to dance around the church. You can do that for four hours, and you go out, and you're going to still face the same thing until you learn to be real about it and to deal with it. But let me give you a few things about stress that I think will help you. First of all, realize that stress is natural. And again, I know that some of you are like really, I know that some of you are like really spiritual. And I, I, I mean, you know, I know you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and that with a mighty burning fire. And I'm praying your strength in the Lord that he fail you not, that you fail him not in these last and evil days. If you know, if, depending on where you grew up, you know what I just said. If, if you didn't grow up where I grew up, you don't know what I'm talking about. But that's kind of stuff people Christians would say in church during testimony service back in the day. And I know if you, if you, it's this mindset that if you're just spiritual enough, if you're prayed up enough, if you're holy enough in and of itself, that, that you shouldn't, ha- that you won't have stress. I, I, I don't, I doubt that it's quite that simple. I, I, I wish it were. I think that those things lead you in a direction that place you in a better position to deal with it. But it's natural. It's a part of life. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 25. He says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. He says, yeah, let me tell you all, this is what I want you all to, to listen to me. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. He, and by the way, this is, this is literally an imperative. He says, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't worry. Jesus, thank you for telling me this. Easy for you to say. You're the son of God. Well, but then I think about the events of last week. You, know, you had a little rough patch there as well. I, Garden of Gethsemane sounds, Gethsemane sounds like a little bit of a stress event to me, right? But, but he says, no, I'm telling you, don't do it. Now, he doesn't tell you don't go through tough times, don't have difficulties, don't don't have any stress in your life. He doesn't say go into some kind of hyper-denial. It's all good, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good, it's all good. Half time you all say it's all good. You know you're lying. How, how, what's going on? You know, it's all good. You know it ain't all good. It's all messed up. But you just say that because you don't want to be honest about what's going on in your life. Jesus says don't, you don't have to play those games. You don't, that's not the point. But I'm telling you, don't worry. You say, I, I know, but yeah, you're going to go through tough times. He doesn't say stay away from, he doesn't say, now uh, later on we'll talk about how to deal with, how to help yourself avoid unnecessary stress, but he doesn't talk about staying away from stressful stuff because he knows there's no way around some of the concerns that you'll face as a human being. You're going to have to deal with, you're going to deal with provision and the care of your, of your life. You're going to deal with, with resources. Uh, maybe you're like, you're really hooked up financially and that's never been a thing for you, for most of us. Uh, we, at some point in our lives, we have to count our pennies or our dollars. At some point in our lives, we'll have to pay the luxury tax on our yacht. (laughs) 
What's so funny about that? <laughs> at, at some point in our lives, the registration on our Bentleys will become due all in the same month. Yet, I don't know. But at some point in your life, you have, you, you, you're going to deal with stuff. Jesus understands that. He's saying, but what you learn to do is this. To choose to not respond to these stressors that you will face by becoming anxious. They're, the concern about what you will wear is a concern, unless you're going to walk around wearing nothing or being really tattered and quite unpleasant smelling all the time. What you wear, it, you know, it's not that you are not going to have some concern if it's even going to you know, Walmart and, and getting something. Don't, don't keep messing with the trade because if they do, and China shuts down on us, all your cheap stuff is going away. And you'll have to pay like real money for clothes again, you know. I have 76 pairs of jeans. I got them all for $6 at Walmart. <laughs> They're all made in China. <laughs> Won't be so. But, 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 but the thing about it, we, we deal with it. We, we, I, do, I would like to eat today, right? God did not put me on a fast today. I would like to eat, right? And so those are concerns. But he says, this is what you do. Make sure you deal with that, not by stressing about it, not by worrying about it. He says, you got to make this choice to not become anxious. He tells them in verse 32, because here's the thing. He says, he says, when you worry about stuff, this is what you become like. You're acting like pagans. When you worry about stuff, you're acting like people that aren't Christians. You're acting like atheists. You're acting like people that have no faith because you're, you're assuming that you're in this life on your own and you're responsible for everything yourself. There's nobody to help you, nobody to back you up. It's all on you and the world is what you make of it. And so when we are filled with anxiety, we're acting like people who have no faith. Say no faith. Yes, Lord. <laughs> Said, Pastor, I saw a, mo- a movie about the rapture, and, and right at the time the preacher was preaching, that there was a little chime went off, and everybody went up. <laughs> but, but really, because what happens is if we allow life to overwhelm us, you know what the outcome of that becomes is that, first of all, we're... we're we're, we're, we're tempted to take our eyes off of Jesus. And we start looking at the circumstance, the situation, rather than the Savior. And, and I know that, see, we, we, we we're conditioned. A lot of us in, 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 our, in, our, in our minds, we, we assume we have no choice but to freak out when things are going awry in our lives. Well, what else can I do but pull my hair out? Well, if you sh- and if my head is shaved, what else can I do but then at least rub my head a lot or something? <laughs> sometimes we feel guilty for not losing it because we don't you know. Sometimes you grew up in a situation where, where it's like you felt like it's you're supposed to like lose it when things are, are, are out of sorts. If you don't, you're like lazy and irresponsible. So if like, if like things are, if things are going bad and you just sit there and say, well, we just going to really pray about this. Like, what do you mean we're going to pray about this? Don't you care? Okay. Okay. So then, Oh God, yeah, I care. I'm concerned. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about? It, it feels like we're expected to, 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 to lose it. We're expected to, to, to freak out about stuff. And we, we've learned something that we're socialized by our families. We watch our parents deal with stuff. I remember watching my dad, and my dad, uh, he was pretty, he was really stoic and pretty low-key. He was actually cool, you know. That's, where I think, where I get my cool from, you know. <laughs> Robert Earl Williams. If your name is Robert Earl, you know, you got to, and you're from Matagorda, Texas, you got to be down. But I remember sometimes I'd catch my dad when he didn't see me looking, and he would be sometimes walking, and he'd be talking to himself and throwing his head at <laughs> so I guess, you know, when things were kind of, you know, he was running his own business and, and, and my dad used to, that was before, you know, I, I bought him his first electronic calculator. That was a long time ago, right? Which he never used, <laughs> but he was, you know, he was running his business. I remember when I was a kid, I get in, in his car that he, he would, there would be always be these papers laying around where he was like, 
figuring money. There was always this, these, these problems. And, and, you know, so, you know, you, you watch this as a kid. And you say, well, this must be the way you deal with stuff. So if things, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I need to talk to myself and kind of flail my arms. But sometimes people freak out even more and yell and scream. So we learn those are the ways we deal. So isn't that what you're supposed to do when money's bad? Isn't that what you're supposed to do when, when, when pressure's on? You're supposed to either check out and, and go into some kind of little zone, or you're supposed to like act out and be really you know, belligerent. Whatever it is, we, we tend to be taught well by our families of origin, don't we? And we think that those are the ways to respond. But here's the deal this morning. When we feel stress rising up on the inside of us, we, we, we've got to learn to stop ourselves. And you know, if you've listened to me, teach and preach over any period of time. I believe that we have a lot more control over ourselves. I believe we have ultimate control, particularly with the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives, over our emotions. And we have the responsibility. We cannot be, we cannot be driven by our emotions and our feelings because our emotions and our feelings will drive us into a ditch. They will drive us off a cliff. They will drive us into a, an unfruitful and unproductive life. Uh, so when we feel this stuff rising up within us, we've got to stop ourselves and remind ourselves that we have a choice as to how to respond in the midst of every situation. We have this choice as to whether we'll become anxious and overwhelmed in the midst of our whatever situation, whatever stress we're faced with, or whether we'll trust God. That's our choice. Never forget that you have that choice, but realize that stress is normal. It's a natural part of life. Something to be expected, something to be anticipated, something that we must learn to deal with, that we teach our children to deal with. That's why you allow your children that if you, if you don't let your children have no frustration. I was so proud. I watched, I watched Camille deal with Max last Sunday because Max, his parents got two cars. But on Sunday after church, he always wants to drive my car. Not literally, but he wants to get in the driver's seat and stand up at the steering wheel. And it's a big deal. And he gets really... And by the time we get to that part of the service, he's been here all day. And you guys have... He's been hyper-stimulated because he just loves this environment because he loves Jesus so much. <laughs> and I watched him. He stood there by the door and he started like losing it. And Camille just kind of stood there. And, you know, I'm like, oh, little Maxi, Maxi. But, you know, she just stood there stoically and resolute because she knew what she was doing. She knew that if she doesn't allow him to to deal with some frustrations now and learn to figure some stuff out, that, you know, you'll be dealing with that all your life. And that's any good parent. We we know that, right? Didn't mean to bust you out, Camille. But you did a good job. You're a great mom. I'm proud of you. I love my daughter-in-law. She's the best. And, uh, and, 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 uh, and in and, and, and life, we, we have to de- 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 develop some frustration tolerance and some stress tolerance. We have to learn that we have a choice as to how we respond to this stuff. We can respond by going with anxiety and just giving into it and giving up. Or we can respond, we can learn to respond with faith. And the first response uh, comes natural. It's natural to lose it. Natural in the sense of it's human. But you know what? I want to remind you that there he is. <laughs> Try to get get back in the service. <laughs> he said, "I was glad when they said unto me." <laughs> you know, it's natural; it's human. But I'm not just human. I am, I am filled with the Spirit of God. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am learning to follow Jesus. I'm learning to be like Him. I'm a, I'm learning to to resp- respond to His teaching and His way and His example. That the natural part is just going with the flow. But the other response is one that's learned. And that's why Jesus says, you come and follow me and learn how to live. Because there's a better way to live than the way everybody lives. Yes. Amen. He says, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. There's a burden. There's a challenge, responsibility. But do it. The second thing is this. Uh, we must, we got to accept the fact that some things are out of our control. Now, for those of you who are control freaks, that's very difficult for you. And the older you get, hopefully the more you realize there's a lot of stuff that you just have no control of. I'm, I've been a pastor for a long time now. And I'm not, you know, I'm not an authority. I'm, I'm authoritative. I know how to stand in my, in, in my God-given space, right? But I'm not authoritarian. Uh, there's not a one of you in this room that has been with me for any length of time said, I ever tried to run your life or tell you what to do. Sometimes you probably wish I would have. But... I raised three beautiful uh, grown adults, and, and uh, I learned early on I couldn't, I couldn't control them. 
And control wasn't the goal. The goal was to, to love, to lead, to, to discipline, to direct, to shape, to mold, and to ultimately release people into their destiny. You, and there's a lot of things in life you can't control. But a lot of us, we, we, we you know, look, cause look at what he says in verse 27, Jesus says this. He says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? He goes on to say, can you by worrying add a, a, in the King James, a cubit to your stature? If you're rather short and you said, Lord, I'd like to be a cubit taller. I don't know what a cubit is. You find out a cubit is like eight feet or something. It's like, no, a cubit is, you know, but you said it doesn't matter. You, you could put it in, we would look at it more like, can you by worrying lose five pounds? <laughs> no. There's a whole lot of stuff by thinking about it. You, you can't control it. You can't change it. Worry and distress is unproductive. It doesn't accomplish anything. And so we can minimize stress in some areas of our lives, but there always are going to be some things that are out of our control. Right? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Some of you, and I'm not talking about you being out of control, but there are things around you in your life. Like things like the weather. Nice day today. I love this. I love, man, yesterday was beautiful. It was hot in the daytime. It's good. Cooled off very nicely and even depending on where you were, where I was. It was nice. I remember I was coming back from Starbucks about nine o'clock. My neighbor was walking. She said, Hey Charles. She said, Isn't it great out here? I said, Yeah, I'm glad you're out walking. It's nice for you. You know, do that. It's like, you know, beautiful weather. But you know, on the other hand, if 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 it was a hurricane, right? If it was 106 or if it was 46, you have no control over that, do you? You have no control over the weather. If we plan a picnic and it rains on our picnic. Someone left a cake out in the rain. I don't think that I could take it because <laughs> it took so long to make it. Some of you have no idea where that came from. If you, if you do, you, I think he was signing your label, wasn't he? <laughs> uh, you know, you, you don't have control over how people respond to you. I, this is tough, too, because I think I'm a pretty nice guy. But then there's sometimes it's obvious that people hate me. And it's like, I don't know why. <laughs> no, it, you know. But being, but honestly, you know, you're in a situation and, and you like have a lot of, for a lot of people, you're cool with down with so many people. And then there'll be this one person that just doesn't get you. Yeah. And it's like, and it makes you feel bad. Yeah. But you realize I can't control that. I mean, I can try by, you know, kowtowing to that person, you know, playing up to them over, you try too hard and then they hate you more. Yeah. Why are they trying to get it all up in my face? You know? You, you don't have control over that stuff. And when you're a leader and when, you're, when you work with people on a, the, more, the larger scale you do, you have to learn to really put that stuff, push it aside because you have no control over it. You can't, we can control how we respond to other people and how we treat others, but we can't control how they, they respond to us. You know, there's just so many things in life. When you're driving home today from church, you don't have control over the dog that might run out in front of the street and cause you to slam on your brakes, run out in front of you in the street. You don't have control over a person who runs a stop sign. You know what I'm talking about? Um, we can't control, if you're on your job, you can't control who gets laid off and who doesn't get laid off unless you got a lot of pull and you go in there and, you know, I work real hard, you know. But we can't control that stuff. We can take, you know, we can be cautious, we, but we, we, we can, you know, we can take care of our health. We don't have ultimate control over who gets sick and who doesn't in the world around us. We don't have control over the choices other people make. And one of the things with regard to prayer and with regard to the, the efficacy of prayer, the fact that we believe that God does things and he responds to our prayers, but there's always this caveat, and that is that God really does respect the free will of other people as he respects your free will. And so you have to be careful even in praying about, you know, praying and trying to, to bend someone uh, in a way that they're not willing to be bent. God doesn't do that, and we can't either. And so we, sometimes we see someone making a bad choice, and you can warn them, right? You can, you, you, can, you can try to counsel them, but you can't make the decision of the choice for them, right? It's really their choice. We don't have control over other people's expectations. I can't control what people expect of me, whether, you know, they're big or small. I can't control whether you think my best is good enough or not good enough. I, I can't control those things. And we spend too much of our lives worrying about things that we can't control. There are things in the world around us that you, you, know, you, you act to the extent that you have power. As citizens, we have the power of, of, of the vote. We have the power to make our voices heard. We participate in the system. We, we do what we can. But ultimately, there are things in the world that, we, that we're challenged, we have to take before God, and we need to be serious about prayer with the bigger concerns because we don't, I mean, I, I do not have a direct line to the, the dude with the funny haircut in North Korea. 
I, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't like, I mean, I could, I saw it and I did, I ran into Dennis Rodman at the Honda Center last December. I should have, I should have, I should have said, Dennis, 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 you got to do something, dude. You know, because, you know, he, they seem to be pretty tight. But, you know, there, there are things going on there that we don't, we can't control there. We have no idea. And so we trust God and we, we basically go with the flow. And so what we do is when life gets crazy, you focus on the things you can control rather than stress over the things you can't. And there's a lot of stuff going on in the world around me that I have no control over. But I'm going to tell you what I have control over. I have control over my life. I have control over my spirit. I have control over my prayer life. I have control over the disciplines in my life. I have control over the way that I sleep and eat and, 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 and conduct my affairs. I have control over the way I manage my body, the way I manage my relationships, the way I do the task God has given that's put place before me. I have control. There's stuff about you and some of you as, as, as my church family, as my congregants, as I'm the pastor here. And I, really, I, I'm not, I don't have the thing. There's areas of things about your lives and your circumstances that I don't have any control over. But the one thing I can do is try to love you and to pray for you and to lead you and to serve you and to teach you and to preach to you and to help you become what God wants you to be. And we can walk together and work together as a church family. But you do what you can and don't stress over what you can't do. And so with regard to these things that there's nothing we can do about, we place them in God's hands. And then Jesus says, he takes it to another level. He says, he says you can learn from nature, okay? Real quick, there's something about this. He says, listen, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. He said, yeah, but didn't you see them seagulls fighting down there at the beach? <laughs> That's an anomaly. Those are bad seagulls. But he says, are, are, after all, that is a piece of sandwich that, that seagull has. The other one, he says, are not you much more, see those seagulls haven't learned to trust God. Are you not much more valuable than they? When, when you feel the stress you know, rising up in your life, think about God's work in the natural order. Think about nature and how it runs and how God kind of set up things in the way God takes care of the created order. And it tends, tends, th- things tend to work out pretty good overall. What do you think? Yeah. You know, I know in, maybe in your backyard this morning, uh, the sparrows were having a deep, long conversation and they were in some kind of deep depression. In my neighborhood at like 3 o'clock this morning, the birds were just having, they were very happy. My wife, about 5 a.m., she said, because we have our windows open upstairs because it's warm up there. She says, those stupid birds need to shut up. <laughs> this time of year, the birds in my neighborhood, they start up at like 3. And, do they ever even stop? I want to get my shotgun. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Hopefully, they're like, you know, you. When they hear that, they'll say, oh. <laughs> but no, they're, they're, they're out there. They're happy. They don't care about my sleep. They're happy because God takes care of them. The natural order just kind of kind of flows. The flowers plant some new flowers in the yard, you know, and they're they're all kind of holding their own. Some of them don't do as well as others, but that's kind of my fault probably. But overall, they're doing okay. God, you know, the water comes and the there's 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 food in the soil and and you know what? How many of you have a pet at home? The, the, man, we're not a pet church. I, there's no need for us to do a blessing of the a blessing of the animal. Yeah, you have a rabbit, right? Two rabbits. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Dos conejos. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about the church downtown where they do the blessing of the animals. We're not going to do that here. This carpet's too expensive. <laughs> but you're, you, 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 did you send Fido to the grocery store for himself this week? Did you send little tabby cat out to the to, to 7-Eleven or the Trader Joe's? Get some of that, 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 that tuna in the can, you know, that real good one. Okay, no, because that's your job. But if they were in the, in, the, in the wild, they would figure it out for themselves. But you didn't send them to the store. They don't go to the store. They don't have credit cards. Yet they seem to have their needs met, right? And on and on and on and on. But you and I, Jesus says, we were made in God's image. We are more valuable than those creatures. God, I mean, they're all God's creation. They're all blessed by God. But we are in a special class, a special category. We are the crown jewel of his creation. He says, understand this. Are you not much more valuable than they? I know there's some, I I freak out about this sometimes, guys, because sometimes I think that some people like dogs more than they like people. 
You know, they're more concerned about somebody kicking a dog than a policeman beating somebody on the street. It's like, oh, you know, that's, you know, I'm, I'm serious. It, it kind of gets to me sometimes because it's like, oh, the puppies, you know, what about the puppy? What about the children? What about, what about my young brothers? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, right? But, but, but the, the bottom line is that we, we, we're special. We're, 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 we're more valuable than they are. And God is deeply concerned about you. And so God will take care of us. We are in a special relationship with him. And Jesus is arguing here from the lesser to the greater. He says, if God takes care of nature, how much more? Say, how much more? If God takes care of the birds, how much more will he take care of you? If God takes care of the lions and tigers and bears, oh my, how much more will he sustain you and care for you? He's already said that there's nothing that can separate you from his love. And so, So remind yourself this, that I know that things that are beyond my control, but ultimately the world, life is not out of control because God is in control. I said I wasn't going to get up into this zone here today. I was keep it down here in my conversational zone. But sometimes when I think about how good God is and how he looks out after us, it makes me just kind of want to go here. <laughs> I'm reminded of the fact that, man, you know, you, you, some of us, we've been, we've been working 10, 15, 20, 30 years to do stuff that God, if, if he decides to do it, if he decides it's supposed to be done, God can do it in, an, in the blink of an eye. And so we can, you can spend your whole weekend worrying about your situation. And once you give it to God, you'd be surprised how quickly God can handle it. There's nothing too difficult for him. And then number four, we, we need to change our focus. That's the problem. That's the challenge. We need to change our focus. Jesus gives us the alternative to distress and worry. We need to change our focus from the situation, right, from the need, from the, from the stressor, if you will, to the providence and the power and the promise of Almighty God. Remember that song we, we sang, the chorus, that we never did the verse much. We said, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let, it, let, it, let us sing power and majesty, praise to the king. Mountains fall down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Why? Because nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Uh, we forget that. Uh, and that's what we have to focus on, the promise we have in him. What we need to focus, we, we focus on the situation. And that's why Jesus gives us this alternative. He says, okay, this is the way you can do life. You can live life like this. You can live life based upon fear and distress and worry. And, and you, that might be a shorter life on this planet for you. And it'll be a very unpleasant life for you. And not only that, but you'll make everybody miserable all around you. And basically then, then you're gone. And, you know, and, and, but, you know, he says, but here's, here's, here's another way to do this thing. Here's another, let's, 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 let's take a, let's look at a paradigm shift here. And he says, instead of doing what you are socialized and, and, and conditioned to do, which is to, to worry about everything and look at all the stuff that you're responsible for and all the stuff that, that, that you've got to tend to and take care of and all the needs rather than do that, do this. He says, seek first. Before you, you pull your hair out over your job, pour your heart out over the kingdom. Yeah. Be, before you develop an ulcer over your family situation, allow God to give you some holy heartburn like the men on the road to Emmaus as you get deep in the things of the word of the Lord. What you do is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And if you put God in the forefront, if you put God first in your life, if you'll prioritize God, and, and it's, easy for, it's easy for you to say, preacher, yeah, but this is what Jesus says. All of these things will be given to you as well. That's what he says. That's the master speaking. That's not me. I didn't write this. I, I, I wouldn't have the audacity to write something like this. I wouldn't have the audacity to tell you to not worry about your situation. I wouldn't, have the, I wouldn't have the temerity to suggest that you turn your focus off of your 
off of your plight and your struggles and, 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 and put God first. And who am I to tell you to, to not worry about, about your, your loved ones, to not worry about your, your bills, to not worry, to not freak out about your job, to not lose it? Who am I to tell you that's the natural thing to do? You have the right to do that. Who am I to, who am I to rain on your parade? It's your party. You can cry if you want to. But Jesus says, seek first my kingdom and everything else. Put me, keep your eye on me. Change your focus. In the midst of all the stress, change your focus. Don't let the stress distract you. Change your focus. He says, what you do is you focus on my sufficiency and not your need. You, what you need is you learn to rest in, in my love and, and, and not dwell on your insecurities. You learn to trust in his provision and, and, and his working of, uh, in, in the circumstances of your life rather than trusting in your ability to figure stuff out and fix things. Now, I used to think I was a pretty smart guy and I realized, man, there's a whole lot of this stuff I don't have a clue. So I focus on him, not, oh, if I think hard enough, if I try harder, you try till the cows come home and you'll still be in the same place. But God is able. We, we, should, we, should, we should focus on his promises, on, on the inheritance we have in him. Focus on the fact that, he, according to Paul in, in Romans 8, 28, that God, that all things work together, that God is working in the midst of every situation in your life to bring about his good. To focus on that rather than focus on the fact my life is falling apart. Nothing works. Everybody hates me. Woe is me. Focus on the reality of forgiveness and reconciliation and right, the righteousness that's ours in Christ. Even when we've blown it, because sometimes our stress is a result of the fact that we, or our stress is heightened by the fact that we haven't been quite as faithful as we would have liked or as God would have expected us to be. We've maybe grossly mismanaged some of the stresses and challenges in our lives. We've done stupid stuff or we've done things that we knew were offensive to God and certainly offensive to people around us. But rather than dwell on that and rather than think that because you failed at some point that God gave up on you and that now you have to spend the rest of your life in worry mode because now God says, you you didn't go to church on those three Sundays in a row? (laughs) You're on your own, buddy. I saw them paychecks. You're on... Aren't you glad that God isn't like us? Aren't you glad that great is his faithfulness? Aren't you glad that God is a God of forgiveness and mercy and grace? And even when we mess up and do stupid stuff, God doesn't kick us to the curb. You know, we don't become his red-headed stepchildren, but God loves us with an everlasting love. And his desire is always to bring us into a greater experience of his purpose and his grace and his mercy. Great is his faithfulness. Oh, now I, I gotta I gotta finish up because I I made a promise I said I said this is the new thing right we start on time and we get out on time but but the philosophical rhetorical question that we will pursue is what is on time <laughs> and who is it that I, I found out something that it is not mine to say neither is it yours. <laughs> This, is, this be it Shakespeare's birthday, okay? So let me wax rhetorical. But only God, the Father, Son, and particularly the Holy Spirit, deemeth for us what the rightest timeth is. <laughs> but I'm almost done this morning. Oh, man. It's so good to be with you guys. God is good, isn't he? Yeah. I'm almost done. But, but listen, I, Psalm 77. I'm gonna, yeah, I know some of you, when I say 77, you think it's 77 Sunset Strip. That's because you... Older than some of the other folks in here, but 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 it provides. Uh, some, some of y'all know about case studies, right? And you know, some of the, some of us in in our educational pursuits, we were in a class, and so we're going to look at case studies of this issue and issue. So you have to write a case study, and you have to look at well, all that happened and what and, and someone's particular experience and how it and how it 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 bears on this issue or how it demonstrates a certain thing. And, and I'm going to give you, a, there's a case study in Psalm 77. It's this guy named Asaph, not Asap, but Asaph. Uh, uh, and, and, and this, he, this, 
if just for a few moments, I'm, I'm going to try to illustrate with this what we're talking about in a way that hopefully will enable us to, 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 to package it up and take it with us when we leave. I want you to have a little bag, you know, a cool little shopping bag, and put this in there with you. And now don't do it like, you know, I go to conferences and stuff now, and, and after a while, you got this house full of stuff. Uh, or you like the lady, you see a Starbucks with the car with the stuff up to the back window. And so, so like, I, I, I don't take all the stuff they give me, and then I go home, and I, I, it's like I read my mail over the trash can, boom, boom, over the recycling bin, actually, and then in the shredder, you know. So, so, but I want you to take this home, and I want you to open the bag up, like I'm going to do with that bag there, from Whole open the bag up, and I want you to, uh, to, to, to take it out and, 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 and review this and think about it and make it real in your life. But Psalm 77, Asaph, um, he's, we, we don't really know what he was dealing with, but we see his feelings because in this psalm, he's kind of wearing his feelings on us. That's, that's the good thing about it. That's why you should read the psalms. Read the psalms when you don't understand them. Read the psalms when they're boring to you. Read the psalms when the religious part of you says, oh, people shouldn't say things like, I hate those who hate you. Well, just read it and internalize it and realize that God gives you permission to feel and to, and to think and to express your feelings. And God doesn't shut you down and say, if you don't use proper Christian lingo and if what you're saying is not nice, I can't hear you. God says, just bring it to me, baby. Bring it on. Just tell me what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what you're going, where you're hurting, what's going on in here. Bring it. Lay it out before me. The Psalms teaches us how to pray that way. And so we don't know what's going on with Asaph, but we see how he feels. And Asaph gives us stuff like this. He's, he he. He, his soul is, he says, I, I can't find, I, I refuse to be comforted. He's groaning. And you all know what it means to groan? Yeah. He, he couldn't sleep. I know nobody here deals with that. Uh, he, he didn't know how to express ultimately and fully his feelings. And he's looking, he's longing for past days. Man, you know about that, right? Man, I remember, I think the show was good back in the 80s. I don't know what city you were living in. Then some of you are a little younger. I remember the '90s. I really liked it, the music back then. You know, boys to men and and stuff. You know, and then some of you are like, you know, the '60s were. I was, uh, the '70s. We had cool hair and disco lights. And, uh, you know, but you know how we do. We 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 look back to prior season to the past. We say, boy, I had it going on ten years ago when I was on that job or when I lived over there over there when I was still in my mama's house or whatever it was. You know, when I lived over there in, in, in that neighborhood when I when I was doing this when when I you know when I had hair or whatever it was. We we look back and he's doing that. We're longing for past days. It's a big thing in our nation and our culture and our society because in a lot of different places people are looking back to different points of reference, trying to find some point of reference that they can look back to. The problem is that this doesn't work. There's nothing ever to go back to because you can't go back. And then when you look back, no matter how perfect what your reference point looks, it was never what it seemed. Because, you know, again, a lot of people want to go back to the 50s, you know, take, make America great again. The only problem with that, what was great for you wasn't so great for my, my daddy and my mama and my grandparents and my great-grandparents who were slaves. So, so that whole thing of looking back, that, 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 that doesn't really appeal to me. I'm trying to figure out what I can do to move forward. Uh, he, he, but Asaph felt forgotten by God. Any of you ever felt forgotten by God? And so he's weighted down, he's loaded down, and God seems a million miles away. And the circumstances in life can mess with us that way. Because you know how it is, right? One moment life is pretty cool, and the next moment it feels like the bottom is falling out. You know what it's like. Doctor calls you with those test results that you've been stressing out, waiting for, and it took three weeks to get them. And when you get them, they're not what you wanted to hear. You hear talk on your job that they're getting ready to pass out pink slips, and they're not talking about giving out free cars. <laughs> or you get a call from the police, and it's about your child, something that you didn't want to here, someone's in trouble with the law. And you know how it is. You go from being in, in a state of homeostasis, a state of, of being pretty, pretty level, to being overwhelmed, and you don't know which way to go. And that's where Asaph is. But in verses 10 to 15, Asaph experiences a paradigm shift. His attitude changes. And this is what he gets to in Psalm 77. He says, I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. Uh, he says, oh God, your ways are holy. 
Uh, you are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeem your people and the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And he goes on. To, uh, and, and so what happens is this. Uh, Asaph has changed because he has said, earlier he says, I said, this is my faith. The most high has turned his hand against me. He said, but then I recall. See. So he goes from being overwhelmed by the stress of life to finding courage and finding faith. And we ask, well, what brings about his change? Stay with me just a couple minutes. In the first 12 verses of Psalm 77, Asaph, primary, the primary pronoun is I. He says, and this is the way it is when you're down in the dumps. I cried out to God when I was in distress. I stretched out untiring hands. I would not be comforted. I remembered you. I groaned. I meditated. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days. I remembered my songs in the night. It's kind of like all about me up through here in the Lord. But something happens beginning in verse 13. Asap, he makes the shift. It's like he looks ahead to Matthew 6.33. And his focus changes from his problems and from him. God wants to hear your I stories, your I statements. He wants to hear your pain. But at some point, you have to move beyond I to you. At some point, it has to become about more than just you. At some point, as important as your feelings are to God, your world has to be about more than just your feelings because then you'll just want to stay there. I kind of like this place because it gives, me, it gives me a space in which I feel the freedom to be the victim here. And it absolves me of certain responsibility to really live and love and act as a responsible, mature Christian adult because I, I am in pain and I am hurt and I am wounded. And, oh, I like this spot. But Asaph says, now I, I, I see something different. He, the, chain, the focus changes from his problems to God. His focus changes from his stress to God's strength. His focus changes from his situation to the unfailing love of Yahweh. His, his focus changes from his need to God's sufficiency. There are three things about Asap. Now, the thing that Asap comes to realize about God, and the first one is this, that God is holy. And what do you mean by that? How does that, how does that apply to this? Does this sound like an abstraction to you? Well, James put it like this. He said, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt everyone. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father in lights. God in his holiness, he, he isn't flaky like we are. God in his holiness does what he promises to do. God in his holiness is ultimately and utterly dependable. That's a dimension of what it means for God being holy. It means he's not like you and me. We're trying to, we're be, by God's grace becoming like him. He's not like you. He is, he is ultimately dependable. He's pure and good. He's absolutely dependable. He is, yes, God, you, Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. That means something to me in the midst of my stress if I let it. Right. Second thing he comes to realize is that God is great. God is not like you and me because I, and I know the feeling, and, and we talk about, you know, when, like when money's not right, you feel like, just handcuff me. Stuff I need to be doing, I, ain't, I can't, can't do it. Need to get this accomplished, can't do it. Need to pay this, need to buy this, can't do it. I'm, I'm strapped. Need, you know, need this, need that. You know, we're, we get handcuffed by situations. Lack of a job handcuffs us. Relational difficulties handcuff us. But God, you can't handcuff God. God is great. God is God all by himself. We're hopeless. We're helpless, but God is never helpless. That's why God said to Abraham, is it anything too hard for me? And then thirdly, and this, is, this, this balances out because God is holy, God is great, but God is caring. Oh, isn't that good news? Because he could be great and holy and still he could, we could feel like, you know, yeah, but God, do you really care about my circumstance? 
That's part of ASAP's stress and part of our stress is like, man, I'm out here. I feel like nobody cares. I feel like God is not hearing me. Like I don't have an audience with God. But God is not some casual bystander sitting there listening to your cry saying, well, you know, tapping his foot, saying, yeah, you know, how's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> well, if you, if you go to church for 10 or 15 more years, it might get better. Just remember those tithes and offerings, son. You know, no. God is not indifferent to you. God is not unconcerned about you. God has redeemed us by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. God went to all kinds of incredible effort to set you free from sin. God cares about you. God broke the curse of the law off of your life, the curse of sin off of you. He took and bore your, your, Jesus bore the debt for your sin on the cross. God will never turn a deaf ear to your cry. He hears every cry of your heart. He sees every situation that you're going through. He loves you in the midst of the stressful times and the good times. He loves you whether you feel like it or not. And that love will never change. Never change. Asaph had to get his head on straight to realize, I got to remember this is the God I serve. He's not some being out there that's just sitting there and put everything in motion and said, good luck, suckers. <laughs> Gave y'all a planet. <laughs> what you going to do with it? <laughs> I'll go off and create some more. I'll be back and see what you, you know. It's not like that. But God is deeply concerned about those needs in your life. And I want to tell you, I want to remind you, and I'm almost done, but when we forget that when, we, when our heart is breaking, the heart of Jesus breaks as well. When we are hurting, Jesus feels our pain. He, he is not only touched with the feelings of our infirmity in the sense that in his earthly experience that he went through life and the attended weaknesses of life as we do, but he's touched with our pain, with our infirmities, real time from day to day. Where, where is Jesus now? He's at the right hand of the Father. What is he doing? He's interceding for you. He is at the Father's side saying, Lord, do you hear that, that prayer that, that so-and-so, you see the stress that, you see what Sherry's going through, Lord, take her through. It, take her through that, that situation. You see what James is going through. Go on, hold him up, Lord, and take him. You see what Bobby's going through. You see... You, 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 Lord, you, you see, you see what, you see what Arlene's going. You see what Willis, Lord, just, you see the difficult, the tough time, Lord. You see this, the stress there under Father. We got to, we got to carry them on in all the way. We got to get them through this life. We got to give them what they need. We've got to be there and give them that comfort. Holy Spirit, go and comfort them and and, and surround them with your love and and, and 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 usher them into our presence. Cares about you more than you care about yourself. When you give up on you, God never gives up on you. How dare we give up on each other when he, when he won't give up on us? Man. So, I've, I've, the hour is late. And I'm a sociopath. I don't care. No. <laughs> the hour is late. But listen, I want you to go leave this place with a couple of things. I want you to be assured that what you're going through, the stresses you feel, it's a normal, natural part of life. And that's not sin. And it's, it's not, yeah, should we all pray more? Yes, absolutely. Should we read the Bible more? Yeah. Should we go to church more? Yeah. Now, I'm a pastor. What do you think I'm going to say? I want you need more balance in your life. Yeah, no, lean in to the things. Yeah. But, but the thing is this. It's not like that stuff that you're facing with the emotions and the feeling and the stresses of life are because of some, some deficiency in your life. It's just the way life is. Right? And we can minimize some of that by doing some things. First of all, make sure that you, that you really do practice gratitude. Make sure that you, out of your situation, that you reach out and help somebody else. Make sure that you allow yourself to set realistic expectations for yourself. And some of you, know, cause some of you really, you're not going to become a millionaire by, like, June. <laughs> you know, unless you're, like, 99% there now in April, right? You, you know what I mean. It's like, uh, I, I graduated from junior high, but I'm going to have, like, five degrees in the next two years. I'm going to go to school, like, what, 28 Hours a day. You know, people have like, they, we get goals sometimes and we, at time frames that, that we impose on ourselves and uh, l- laugh, please. 
Would you? Why? Because it's a, it is a wonderful medicine. As long as you got me for a pastor, you got someone else. Have some fun in life. Learn to meditate, to listen, to be quiet before God. Definitely pray. Take some time to talk to God every day. Deal with the fact, you know, accept what can't be changed. Do what you can in every situation. Learn to relax. Learn to take a nap sometimes. Learn to hang out with some friends and do something. Don't be so goal-oriented. Hey, let's hang. Let's get together. What are we going to do? Uh, let's go to Starbucks. What are we going to talk about? What are we going to co- what's, what's the agenda? No agenda. Just, just hang out. What do you want? Just to hang out. Why? Are you in trouble? Avoid anger, which I may talk about next week. We'll see. But after you've done all you can to minimize your stress, then develop this new attitude. Don't focus on the stuff. Focus on God. Do what Jesus says in Matthew 6.33. Uh, how we choose to deal with stress will determine how it affects us, ultimately. That's the bottom line. Okay? And on that note, I am done. Amen. Yeah.